0: that God wants us just to cap some things in the next couple months and so uh, we're going to delve into it. Um, I'm also going to tell different people that if they go onto the uh, our website or onto the uh, podcast and uh, not podcast onto the live stream that they will see the lesson and if they want that done in their home we can do that. So uh, I want to do some home, more home Bible studies because taking the Bible into the home is what it, it, it takes. So praise the Lord. We're going to start out tonight, amen, and uh, some of it may be a little basic to you, but just because it's basic doesn't mean that we don't need to hear it again. Praise God. We still need to hear the basics of things. Praise the Lord. And the Bible study is called Exploring God's Word. And uh, we're the first thing it's going to talk about, the first thing we're going to open up with is the Old Testament. Uh, now, the Old Testament was uh, broken into uh, four different periods. Um, the first period was the period of innocence. Then came conscience. Then came the patriarchs. And then came the law and the prophets. Now, that covered the whole... Uh, time period of the Old Testament. The Old Testament was approximately 3,600 years, almost 4,000 years uh, was the Old Testament. Um, Genesis Genesis 1-1 to Genesis chapter 12 covered 2,000 years. I don't know if you know that. And then from Genesis chapter 12, when God began to deal with Abraham... The Bible covers another 2,000 years. So from Genesis 1, 1 to Genesis chapter 12 was 2,000 years. From Genesis chapter 12 through to uh, the Old Testament was another 2,000 years. So God kind of just gave us the history of the first 2,000 years, but he went into depth in the next 2,000 years. And so the Old Testament covers about approximately 2,000 years. The first part of it covers a, a, a period called innocence, and the reason it's called innocent, innocence is because it, it was during the innocence of Adam and Eve in the garden, and it covered that period of time. It goes from when Adam and Eve was created. Now, nobody knows how long Adam and Eve lived in the garden. Have you ever thought about that? It could have been a hundred years, a thousand years. It could have been a long time that Adam and Eve lived in the garden. Nobody really knows. The amount of years that Adam and Eve lived in the garden. But they lived there in innocence. And it wasn't until they fell. That they. uh, That innocence ended. And then God began to deal with them. According to a thing called conscience. God started to talk to them. uh, Cain and Abel. About conscience. Cain where's your brother Abel. And so that was a period of, of conscience. And God began to deal with them. According to conscience. And then. Uh, A little later, God began to deal with the patriarchs, and that was the time of Abraham. He called Abraham out and said, I want you to become a great nation. He said, I want you to uh, go forth, and so he began to deal with a man. Once again, Genesis 1-1 through Genesis chapter 12, God dealt with the world. From Genesis chapter 12 on through, he dealt with Abraham when he called Abraham out. And he said he wanted to deal with the world, but the world would not come to him. So God said, I will pick me a person that will come to me. And I will deal with people, individual people. The whole world will never be saved. They just won't. It's not that I'm negative. It's just that not everybody in the world is going to want to live for God and and love him. It's just a known fact. But there are people in the world that do. And so God said to, to Abraham, he called him out. And from the patriarchs went from Abraham to Moses. And then God began to deal with them according to the law. He set Moses down, and he gave him the law. And the law went into the New Testaments. Now, when you look at the Old Testament, it's called Old Testament. If you have a Bible, you notice it's all one book. But at one time, it was not all one book. It was many different books. They was compiled in order. There wasn't chapters and verses but since you put the chapters and verses in it helps you to say go to psalms chapter 23 verse 1 and it doesn't take away from the meaning of the book so it's not a big it's not a problem whatsoever but the books are generally compiled in an order that they should be put in order Uh, For instance, Genesis is the first book in the Bible, and it's there because it talks about the beginning of mankind and the beginning of the earth. Revelation is at the last of the Bible because it's there, because it talks about what's going to happen in the end. And so when you look at the Old Testament, you have to understand that it is inspired by God. It is inspired by God. It is written by holy men, but it is inspired by God. Second Second Peter 1 and 21 says for the prophecy came not of old time by the will of man But holy men of God spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost So if I was to set somebody down if I was to set you down and say to you I would I want you to write a letter to my wife and you were to write this letter and I said dear Christy I love you with all my heart That is not a letter from you to my wife That is a letter from me to my wife. You're just the writer of the letter. And that's the way the Word of God is. The Word of God is not a a man writing about God. It's God writing to man. God moved upon men, and he gave them the Word of God. For instance, how do we know that the world was created the way it was created? If God did not set Moses down and show him how the world was created... Today, scientists will back that. Yes, that's the way the world was created, but nobody was there when God called the worlds into existence, except God. So God told Moses what to write. Moses was of the house of Egypt. He was a um, Moses was a uh, was raised under uh, uh, evolution. The Egyptians was evolution. But when Moses began to write Genesis, Moses said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He didn't say a little worm came out of the Nile River. And so they were moved on. In the Greek, the New Testament was written, the word inspired means God breathed. In other words, God spoke it into existence. And then scripture was written, not by the will of man, but by the will of God. The Bible is not man writing about God, But the Bible is God writing to you. When you sit down and read that Bible, understand that God is writing to you. The Bible is not man's book about God, but it's God's book to mankind. The key word in 2 Peter 1 and 21 is moved. The original language means to be carried along like a ship. So when they wrote... The Bible said the Holy Ghost moved on them. The most wonderful thing is um, when you have a uh, when you have an author, author of a book, um, they will pin something down. You will read it, but it's a wonderful thing when that author is there to tell you this is what I meant about that. This is what I meant to say. And so, when you pick up your Bible, you need to let the Holy Ghost. Talk to you as you read his word. Let him fill you in on his word. Because the Bible is the word of God. Uh, We should approach the Bible with great reverence. Because it is the word of God and not the word of man. Uh, My kids would say, hey, to one to another, come here. But there was a difference when my kids would say, daddy said to come here. And so it's the same thing with the word of God. I can say something, but when I say something that the word of God says, then it makes it powerful. I'm telling you, hell shudders at the word of God. God warned Moses. He said, ye shall not add to the word which I commanded you, neither shall you diminish it aught. And you shall keep the commandments. Deuteronomy 4 and 2. A similar command was made in Proverbs 30 and 6. He said, add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou found a liar. So just just before the close of the Bible, uh, in Revelations, uh, Paul writes, If any man shall take away from the words of the book, of the prophecy, God shall take away his part of the book of life, at salvation, and out of the holy city and from the things which are written there. So, God not only inspired it, God not only wrote it, but God also preserved it. Here we are 2,000 years from when the Old Testament was written and almost uh, five or 6,000 years since the New Te- or Old Testament was written. And the Word of God is still pure today. Matter of fact, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found that the Word of God was so pure towards the King James. God not only gave His Word... Uh, To mankind, but he promised to preserve it forever And God said I'll preserve it forever. The words of the Lord are as pure words as silver tried in a furnace uh, And purified seven times now that word seven means complete He said thou shall keep them psalms 12 and 6 through 7 Tells us that on the same subject. Amen the preservation of God's word. Jesus said And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than one tittle of the law to fail. So, praise God, you wonder, is God's word still standing? Well, is heaven and earth still standing? I just think that's amazing that God would take something that we could see, like heaven and earth, and say, hey, heaven and earth is still standing. God's word has got to be standing because that's what he said. There is an easier, there's an easy method to remember uh, the Old Testament. How many books are in the Old Testament? The word old has three in it, and the word testament has nine. There's 39 books in the Old Testament. So if you remember, there's three old, uh, three in the word old, and nine in the word testament, 39. The Old Testament was penned by 32 men as the Holy Spirit moved on them. The span in which they lived was 1,500 years. What they wrote about was around 3,600 years. So there was a lot of years there that they did not live, they did not see. They would have not known unless God told them. There are four sections that are there. Uh, First of all, there's the law, and that's the law that God has given them. It's the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Then there's the books of history. There's 12 books. There's the books of poetry. There's five books. And there's prophecy. Praise God. 17 books. or Yeah, prophecy. 17 books. And the first five usually are called the major prophets. And the reason they're called the major prophets is because they were when Israel were all together. And then there's the minor prophets. And the minor prophets is when Israel broke up. Two nations went north. And uh, 10 nations went south, praise the Lord. And so there were, the prophets that was in them was major and was minor. And so when you look at the Bible, you see that that is exactly the way that it is. Now, we're going to talk about the beginning. The Bible starts out with creation, the creation week. And it says, In the beginning, in the beginning, what beginning? Who's beginning? God never had a beginning. He's always existed. God never will have an end, but there's no beginning. So when you're talking about a beginning, what beginning is he talking about? I believe he's talking about the beginning of mankind, because the Bible was written to mankind. So he's talking to them about in, your, in the beginning of mankind, mankind. In the beginning, God created the creation week. The first week of the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1 and 1. He doesn't take a whole long time period to try to prove that. He, when he's God, he just says it, and that's exactly the way it is. The creation account reveals that God made all things, and the Bible says he did it in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. On the first day, God said, let there be light. Now, this was not the sun and the moon and the stars, because there is just light. Like, for instance, there's light that we have here. There's light that you can light a candle. There's different light other than the form of light of the sun. And so he created light. Can you imagine an area without no light at all, just total darkness? When God moved upon the face of the deep, the Bible said he created the light. Amen. Then God divided the light from darkness, and he called the light day and the darkness night. At this point, the earth was still without form and void. In other words, it just was covered with water. It had an extensive mass of water on it. On the second day, God said, let the firmament in the midst of the waters be divided from the water from the waters. Genesis 1 and 6. Now what that is, is in our atmosphere, we have vapor. Um, and so there, is a, uh, the, there was just water, there was no vapor. If you have a dehumidifier, you can pull water out of the air. If you can see water on windows, it's, just, it's a mist. God took the water that was in the waters and he caused it to be in the sky. That was, that's your sky, that's your heavens, that's your firmament, that's your clouds, that's the things that are there. On the third day, on the third day, God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let dry land appear. That was in Genesis 1, 9. And so God began to make all of the earth. Can you imagine this each day, this happening? You know, when the children of Israel crossed over and the Lord divided the water, I don't know about you, but when I pumped my pond dry, um, I could go clear up almost to my waist in mud. It was, it was that much mud, amen, in that pond. And, and when you got in it, it was, it was totally up at least above my knees in mud. But when God drew, drew the water aside and put the Israelites across, he had it completely dry. And so, amen, when God divided the waters on that third day, I'm sure that ground was completely dry. Amen. And on the third day, the waters under the heaven were gathered together in one place and their dry land appeared. And he called the dry land earth and together the waters he called seas. And the same day, God also said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb and seed and fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is after its kind on the earth. So the third day he saw the appearance of dry land and he also began to see all of the trees and the herbs and everything that was created. On the fourth day, God said, let the lights in the firmament. Now, some people will try to tell you that a thousand years is this one day and one day is a thousand years. And, uh, and so really, it all happened in a thousand years. Well, that can't be true because on the third day, he created the herbs and the grass and all that. If it would have been another thousand years before he created the sun, they would not have existed. It was only one day later. It was a day, 24 hours. God can do it. Praise God. On the fourth day, God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven and divide the day from the night and let there be signs and seasons. Can you imagine that? In 24 hours, God rearranged the whole universe created the sun did all of that the massiveness of what God created the sun the moon the stars on the fifth day on the fifth day God said let the waters bring forth abundantly and the moving creature that hath life and the fowl that may fly above the earth so God began to create all of the animals and he and the firmament of the heaven, Genesis 1 and 20. By his spoken word, God created great whales. He created them. They did not hatch or come out or be birthed or whatever. He created them. He made them. Praise the Lord. They existed. Boom. There they were. All the wing fowl. He created it. God created it. Genesis 1 and 22. And on the fifth day, God created the fish and the birds and all the things that existed. The sixth day come around. Now, the sixth in the Bible is a lot uh, is man's number because we were created on that day. And anytime God uses the word number six, it's because the sixth day saw the creation of animals and humankind. God said, let, uh, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind. Genesis 2 and 24. Then God said, let us make man in our image. And so when he came to animals, he made animals without a soul. But when he came to humanity, he gave a man a soul. He said, I'm going to create them in my image. We, As animals, you don't ever see animals building a bigger house. You don't ever see animals doing anything in, in, in the way of, Uh, feeling you know bad if you have a dog or something and you punish that dog it may feel bad but i assure you it's not wondering if it's going to heaven or hell praise the lord and so it does not have that kind of soul but when it comes to you and i god put inside of us that kind of soul that can have an eternal relationship with the lord and so when he created Adam, he said, I'm going to put in you a living soul. I'm going to make you after my image, praise God, after my likeness, praise the Lord. And then the dominion over the fish, he'll have dominion. We'll have defi- dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and the cattle of the earth and every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth, Genesis one twenty six. Thus God created man in his own image, In the image of God created him both male and female. Now, God only created Adam on the sixth day. It wasn't later till he created Eve. But God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And so God created the garden of Eden, and all the things in it so that he would be able to enjoy. God made him the keeper over it. And God said, uh, you know, this is this is for you. And then a little later, God created Eve for him because God looked around and Adam did not have a help me, but we'll get into that. On the seventh day, the last day of creation, the Bible said that God rested. Now, God literally doesn't have to rest. He does not need to rest, but God doesn't ask us to do something that he won't do himself. When he formed himself in the form of Jesus Christ, amen, he was submissive to his parents, even though he was the God that created the heavens and the earth. And so that's what really blows my mind. And so that is the creation that God created and he set them up. But then there came the garden, the thing that we know very well, the garden of Eden. You see, because God gave Adam and Eve a choice, he gave them the ability to make a choice God gives us the ability to make a choice. Uh, We wonder why God does that, but we we wouldn't like it if God took that away from us. You had the choice to be in church tonight. You had the choice to do the things that you you did. But you see, there's the power of choice, and that power of choice can cause problems. The power of choice, amen, took away Adam and Eve's innocence. In the second chapter of Genesis... It uh, it restates that creation of man and woman, and it gives more specific details. This chapter also reveals that God planted a garden eastward in Eden, where he placed the man, Adam, in the garden. And in that beautiful place where there was growing trees and pleasant to the sight of the eyes and good for food into the paradise, God put Adam with instructions To dress that garden and to keep it. But there was a forbidden tree. Just one tree in the midst of that whole garden. One tree, God says, thou shalt not touch. The Lord had other commandments for Adam as well. He was not left to his own. One thing was uh, forbidden him, though. You see, the thing of it is, there's a thing that I have. It's called responsibility and control. And that is when you have control of something, you're responsible for it. When you're growing up, your parents are responsible for your welfare. And they have control over you. you got to be in at a certain hour. you got to do this. you got to do that. you got to do this. But there comes an age where you want control of your life. And if you want control of your life, then you're going to start paying the bills. You're going to start being responsible for where you live and what you do. And so it's control and responsibility. God said to Adam, I will take responsible for you and I will keep you, but you are to obey me. I am to, I will, con- I will control you to a degree. You're not to eat of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. God said, every tree that is in the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat it. Surely thou will die. Genesis 2 and 16 through 27. Another usual tree found in the garden was the tree of life. There was a tree of life. It was called a tree of life. Um, It was permissible for man to eat of the tree. And uh, it was a tree that would give them knowledge, he man, of the things and give them life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil would give them knowledge of good and evil. We don't know what that tree was. Some would like to think it's an apple, orange, whatever, but nobody knows what that tree is because the importance wasn't the tree the importance was you're not to eat it praise god and and so if you do eat it then you're not going to be in the state of innocence god wanted to keep them in innocence because they were naked they just just like When you are in your house and you're getting in your shower, your mind is just getting in the shower. The moment you think somebody's looking in the window, all of a sudden, somebody's looking at me. That's conscience that gets that. And so Adam and Eve were naked. They had no conscience whatsoever. Uh, And so God looked at Adam and he said, Adam, you need to help me. The Lord created Adam before he did Eve, and he noted that it was not good for man to be alone. So God said, I will make him a helpmeet a help for him, Genesis 2 and 18. The words helpmeet is translated in Hebrew means aid. So the woman was to be an aid for the man. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he took her from, he created her out of Adam's rib from which he had made the woman, and I often talk about he didn't take her from his feet because he didn't want her to be at his feet, he didn't take him from his head because he didn't want to be over top of him, he took him from his side because he wanted her to be by his side, his ever line of delight, and that's what the Lord did. God brought the woman to Adam and said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man, woman. And so she was. You know, I was reading Genesis just this week. I'm, I try to read the Bible every, every six months. And I was reading this week. And you know what just, it just really blew my mind? He never called her Eve until she had her firstborn child. Do you know how I know that? Because he said, your name's going to be Eve because you're going to be the mother of all living. So, i was going to kid you and say, obviously, he must have said, hey, you. Because he her name was never Eve until she had her first. I was reading, and I was like, wow. He called her Eve. He, Amen. But he gave her Eve. You see... Humankind uh, is given a free will. You are given a free will. This is what we need to talk about tonight because we need to understand that. We all have a free will. This year, you're going to have a free will. You're going to have a free will to make choices and to do things. It is the most horrible thing when people do not take responsibility for their actions. It's very detrimental to them. Amen. But God gave them a free will. He put Adam and Eve in the garden. and He said, there's one tree in there you don't eat of. Don't do it. And he gave them a free will. He didn't smack their fingers when they reached to touch it. He didn't get in the middle of it when, Eve, when the serpent tried to work on Eve. He just gave them a free will. Some have wondered why God put that forbidden fruit in the garden. Amen. Why did he do that? Why did he even give them a chance to fall? Praise God. It would have been better if he had never done that. Well, you see, God gives us a free will because we're not made like a puppet or a robot. Do you know when you're standing in the presence of the Lord, you get saved and you're standing in the presence of the Lord, God's going to say, you chose to do that. I chose to die for you, but you chose to live for me. Praise God. You see... Because people, you know, I was, I was in a debate once with a Jehovah Witness. There was Jehovah Witnesses and me, and it was a debate. There was a debate. There were some people there. We were debating. And one of the things the Jehovah Witness said to me, he said, Would you hold a puppy dog's tail in the fire? Tail in the fire? I said, No, I wouldn't do that. He said, Well, what do you think God's going to send people to hell? So Let me ask you something. I said, If somebody walks into a burning building, You're going to go in there after No. I said, that's exactly what's going to happen. People are going to hell because they decide to go to hell. It is their decision. It is their choice. It's not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so God gave them a choice. Amen. This question talks to to us about God gave them a choice. Praise the Lord. Uh, Amen. One of the major difference between humankind and animal kingdom is this power of choice to do good and evil. From the first, God was set before man the ability to choose to do the right and to live and to choose and to do the wrong or die. Praise God. And so, two brothers were born into the family long ago. John Calvin was studious, thoughtful, and respectful. At an early age of 27, he wrote one of the most influential books of Christianism, The Institution of the Christian Religion. The other brother, Charles, led a life of gutters, immorality. What explains the difference between the two? Not their environment, not their upbringing, not their education, for they grew up in the same home, in the same influence, with the same opportunity. The difference was gave, given to them by their choice. It is your choice. You know, what amazes me is that back when Jesus was talking about the rich man that was in hell and Lazarus that was uh, in Abraham's bosom, when they said to the rich man, when the subject come up, Jesus said to them, You remember you had your choice. I believe one of the things that's really going to bombard people that do not make heaven is the fact that they're going to sit there thinking, I should have went to the altar. I should have got saved. I should have got right with God. I should have got ready. It's going to be that choice. I should have made that choice. You know, we have things we look back in life and we think, if I would have made a different choice, Praise God, if I would have made a different choice. And so your choice, Eve visits the forbidden tree first. Evidently, one of the first mistakes that Eve made was to visit the site of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. She shouldn't have even went around it. Don't even go around sin. Since she knew that it was forbidden tree, she should have avoided it altogether. She should have stayed away from it. Romans 13 and 14 commands, make not provision for the flesh. To fulfill the lust thereof. If there's something you're struggling with, the best thing to do is to avoid it and stay away from it. If there's anything, I could go on, but I'm just going Many harmful temptations could be avoided if people would just stay away from the environment of sin. Nevertheless, Eve, she didn't do that. Amen. She went and she was tempted. Praise God. But Satan pays a visit also. Satan's there. I'm telling you, amen, Satan is there. I don't know, I can't, I'm not going to explain situations, but I can't tell you how many situations in my life that I thought, what are the chances of all that coming together but to to put some kind of temptation on me? Put some kind of thing in front of me. Praise God. Satan is trying to get you and destroy you. Every one of you hear me today. Satan, who is very subtle, He is always looking for the right opportunity to bring you down. Praise God. To inject, amen, sin into your life. Just like he did with her. He knew that he had only one possibility course of action. And that was to get her involved in the forbidden tree. It is important to notice that the first words that Satan said to Eve, Yea, hath God said? We live in a world today when people are not sure about the Word of God and the things of God. Well, I'm telling you, not very many people live in this kind of way. Not very many people are walking this kind of way. Not very many people are living according to the Word of God. Not even Christians are really following that. Although it's in the Word of God, and Jesus said, a man must be. Not very many people are doing it. Praise God. And that's what Satan said to her. Yea, hath God said, ye shall not of the tree of the garden. Genesis 3.1, Satan's first method of attack is always to question God's word. In the very sly and crafty way, without actually denying God's words. See, Satan is never pinned down. You can't pin him down. He's worse than jello. Praise God. Satan's wrong interpretation. That's another thing. God, Satan always interprets the scriptures wrong. Next, he led us to observe the difference in God's perspective and the devil's viewpoint. By comparing the word. God said, of every tree of the garden mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. Here's what Satan said. Satan said... Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. In other words, he's trying to get her to think God is limiting you. How many times is God is Satan trying to get us, well, if you wasn't a Christian, you could have a whole lot more fun in the world. If you wasn't a Christian, you could do this and you could do that. If you wasn't a Christian, you could be compared, you can compete with people in the business world. But because you're a Christian, you've got to be nice, and you've got to be honest, and you've got to be upfront. But they don't have to be, Satan's telling you. This choice may seem to just matter in similetics or a play of words. But when you are talking about the Word of God, every single Word of God is crucial. Remember that. When I say something to you, it can be dissected. But when God says it in his word, it is extremely precise. When God created the heavens and the earth, he did it in one day. It's precise. It's one day. When God said unto, when Jesus said unto Nicodemus, a man must be born again in the water of the spirit, it must be. Someone says to me once in a while, they say, well, it was only written once in the Bible. I said, well, he only told the waters to be divided in the Bible once. That's all he had to tell it. Praise God. You know what the amazing thing about God is? God's not going to sit around and argue with you. He's going to tell you and He's going to say, It's your responsibility because it is your damnation. It's not my will that anybody damn be damned, but it's yours. Praise God. Now let's compare the statement again. God was speaking from a positive viewpoint. He told Adam that he could eat freely of every tree of the garden except one. But Satan's viewpoint was a negative. Praise God. And so when you look at that, praise God, we must always watch for the tactic that Satan will use when he's quoted something. He said to the Lord, he said, if thou be the son of God, you know, command these stones to be made bread. What's the problem with that? Turning bread into stones, it ain't nothing to do. He's, do, he, you know, man shall not live by bread alone. And so, Eve's lack of knowledge of God's word, that's what the problem was. The Bible tells us that Eve was deceived, but Adam sinned. Think about that. The next tactic step that is the scenario is that Eve did not really know what God had said. Eve's statement sounds very close to what God said, but God forbids us to add or to take away. Eve added to what God had said And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Once again, let us compare that statement with what God actually said. God actually said, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for... In the day that thou eatest, thou shalt surely die. He didn't say anything about touching it. But you see, Satan realized that Eve was ignorant on the word of God. Praise God. Neither shall ye touch it again. At first glance, it just doesn't seem to be important. But it allowed Satan to know that Eve did not, was ignorant on what, God never said not to touch it. It's not. So here's what I'm trying to say today. When you get into the word of God, you need to get into the right precise words of God. When you're baptized, you need to use the exact words they did in the book of Acts. Praise God. When you get the Holy Ghost, you need to get it exactly like they did in the day of Pentecost. You can't water any of this down. It has to be precise. Praise God! She had revealed to the serpent that she uh, she had the ability to she did not have the ability to resist. You see, someone said to me, "Do you think the devil can read my mind?" And I said to them, "I said I don't think the devil can read our minds, but he doesn't have to because we always let him know with our mouths." He watches us and he knows. If there's a woman you're not supposed to be looking at and you struggle to turn your head, he's like, ah, I know what you like. Praise God. If somebody can make you angry and you go off on them, that's it. If somebody make you angry and you go off on them, yep, that's what I can do. You wonder why everybody gets in front of you and it it, it makes you mad in your car? It's because the devil knows that's your weakness and he's going to send them there. But you see, a careful study of the temptation in Matthew chapter 4 will clarify that point. Praise God. You see, Satan's attack, he attacks God's motives also. He tries to make her feel like God doesn't want her to have the best. Amen. But you see, Adam's disobedience. Eve took, and the next unhappy step down the road to spiritual death. If you eat it, you're going to die. They didn't physically die, but they spiritually died. Separation. The Bible talks about death. That's separation. She saw that the tree was good for food, sight of taste, and that it was the tree that was desired to make one wise. It had her approval. It made her proud. I can be like God. She ate the fruit. She gave to Adam and he ate. Praise God. And so because of that, Amen. Adam and Eve fell. And so when we look at this, we understand that the fall of man, the Bible tells us in Romans 5 and 12, by Adam and Eve fallen, by Adam fallen, sin came into the world, death, death caused a separation by God. But death came by sin, and death passed unto all men. Everybody that was born in sin, shapen in iniquity. Death reigned from Adam unto Moses, Romans 5 and 14. By one man, Adam's offense, death reigned, Romans 5 and 17. Therefore, as by the offense of one, Adam, judgment came of all men to condemn Romans 5 and 18 says, For as by one man Adam's disobedience, many were made sinners. Praise God. After Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, their eyes were open. they knew that they were naked, they began to cover themselves, and they began to hide from God. God comes along in the garden, and God starts calling unto them, Adam, Adam. Praise God. Adam hides. God knew where Adam was. He knew where he was all along. The problem was, Adam didn't know where he was. He didn't realize that he was separated from God. God calls him, Adam, Adam. Adam and Eve heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and in their shame and in their remorse, they hid themselves in the garden. And the Lord called, Where art thou? Genesis 3 and 9. Adam responded, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. He said, God said, Who told you you was naked? I know what you've done. You've eaten of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Do you know what bothers me? I hate this. Adam turns and blames Eve. Wives can be so sarcastic, and I know why they can be so sarcastic. It's because their husbands don't take stands. I think that injected something in humanity all the way down till today. Women will be sarcastic, and they should be sarcastic because men don't take stands. It's the woman you gave me. Praise God. Adam should have said, it's my fault. I'll take the bullet. But it's the woman you gave me. Amen. He said, it's the woman you gave me. And so God said, amen. So Adam and Eve were blaming each other. The woman said, it's the serpent. Amen. And and, and none of them took a stand. Adam blamed the sin on someone else. And he answered, God, the woman. That's another thing. God, if you wouldn't have given me the woman. That yeah, blows my mind. God gives us great stuff. God, I would not have gone off and uh, missed church, but you gave me a good job. Lord, I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have backslid, but you made me rich. That's just crazy. That's what He did. You gave me this woman, and that's why I've fallen. The responsibility of sin amen, came on her. The same tendency is seen in Eve. God asked her, what is it thou hast done? And she said, the serpent beguiled me. Now here comes the judgment. Immediate result. The curse. The Lord looked at the devil and he said, on the belly you'll crawl the rest of your life. He, he said unto the serpent. He cursed all the cattle. and and, and uh, He cursed it above all the cattle. And He cursed the woman. He gave the woman the curse. The curse would especially be for Eve. And he said that I will greatly multiply thy sorrow in conception and thy sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and thou desire ought to be to thy husband. And then he cursed the land. The third curse was upon the land. God said to Adam, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I've commanded thee, saying thou shalt not eat it, Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and in sorrow you're going to work the rest of your days. And then he also cursed man, so the occur, he uh, the curse affected Adam too. God said, "In sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return to the ground. For from, from the ground thou wast taken, and dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return." Praise God. But he didn't stop there. He gave us a promise of a redeemer. In the midst of that curse, however, God couldn't wait till the next verse. God said to the devil, I will put enmity between thee and a woman and her seed and your seed. It shall bruise thy head in the head of a serpent is where the poison is. When a serpent bites a man or a woman, that man will start to break down. The body will start to break down. And, and that's what happens with sin. When sin is injected into humanity it will break down. Our bodies are not what they were when we were first born, praise God. And so he said to the serpent, he said, it's going to crush your head. In other words, he's going to send a Messiah. That was Jesus Christ. And that Messiah was going to overcome, amen, and bring salvation. You see, the state of innocence of Adam and Eve ended, but God also gave them a promise. Isn't it wonderful that even though God said, don't do it, and they did it, God said, okay, I'm going to send a Redeemer. And so Adam and Eve was driven from the garden, and it was a direct result of their sin. Sin separates us from God. That's why we've got to stay away from sin. God put Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, amen, to prevent them from eating from the tree of life and becoming back into the garden. Praise the Lord. And so... We can see just a cap tonight. We can see how God gave them a command. How they took that command. How they disobeyed that command. And how punishment came from that command. We're going to be going through the next lesson. We're going to see how God gave them a command. They disobeyed that command. And God brought punishment upon that command. But you know what the greatest thing about the Lord is? And that is the greatest thing about God is He will warn us when we fall, He will forgive us, and He will help us to get back up and go forward. Praise God. Isn't it great to have a God that is so loving? Praise God. You cut live stream? Today is, or 30th was your birthday, and then today, yesterday, was... um,